The Church of Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut invites you to spend the next quarter of an hour with us for this edition of Shi'ar Jeshub. This is Patty Scalzo, and today we will be continuing with the next sermon in Pastor Greg Scalzo's series on Heavenly Authority. Before we begin my husband's message, let me remind you of our church website at www.shiarjashub.org, where you will find information about our church and services, as well as a library of radio programs for serious Bible study. Shi'ar Jashub is spelled S-H-E-A-R hyphen J-A-S-H-U-B. Here now is the author of The Nature and Power of Prayer, Pastor Greg Scalzo. We're going to continue today the study in heavenly authority on the apostles. Last sermon, we examined the larger group that were designated apostles than just the original 12. Remember, the original 12 had been with Jesus from the baptism of John up until the time of the ascension. And that was the qualifications that Peter gave at the beginning of the book of Acts for the apostles. But we saw this wider group that was made up of those who had seen, who had been witnesses of the risen Lord Jesus, and then specially commissioned as apostles, like James, the Lord's half-brother, like the Apostle Paul. Uh, And then we left off with Barnabas, who was chosen along with Paul, and remember we read it was by the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit chose them from the prophets and the teachers at Antioch, And in Acts chapter 14, verses 1 to 4, this is the first missionary journey. And in Acts chapter 14, verse 14, both Paul and Barnabas are called apostles. And we said that we're not sure when Barnabas, a Levite from Cyprus, was saved. Um, If it was before Pentecost, if he had been a witness of Jesus, or if it was after Pentecost, and he had been one of the converts. Clearly, he was a witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit, as really all believers are, right? The Holy Spirit has testified to us that Jesus Christ is alive at the right hand of the Father. But we're speaking here of actual eyewitnesses like the original 12, and then that wider group like James, like Paul, who saw Jesus on the road to Damascus. We're not sure when Barnabas got saved and if he would fall into that group. Paul writes in Galatians chapter 2, this is about the Jerusalem council. He says um, in verse 1, Then after 14 years I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, and also took Titus with me. And he said, And uh, I went up by revelation and communicated to them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to those who were of reputation, lest by any means I might run or had run in vain. So he's telling them about the gospel of grace that he preaches to the Gentiles. He goes up to the council in Jerusalem, and we have that in Acts chapter 15. And then he says down in verse 7 of Galatians, But on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised 
had been committed to me as the gospel for the circumcised was to Peter. For he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised also worked effectively in me toward the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, Cephas is Peter, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Okay, so, so you have here James, the Lord's half-brother, Peter, John, the apostle, all agreeing with Paul and Barnabas that they should continue to preach that message to the uncircumcised, to the Gentiles. So they were sent, and Barnabas is included with Paul in this decision that's agreed upon at the Council of Jerusalem. Barnabas is also mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, besides seeing how Barnabas is included in the apostleship with Paul, we find that information about apostles according to the New Testament. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul says, this is in relationship to food offered to idols. And Paul in chapter 8 has given his, what he feels is proper and right. Basically that the food is nothing, the idol is nothing. Um, you eat to survive, you give thanks to God, but then you don't cause your brother to stumble. You don't participate in idolatry. The food comes from God and you give thanksgiving for the food, but don't let your freedom cause your brother to stumble, and don't make it look like that you're sharing the table of, uh, of the Lord with the table of Belial. So he gives a very um, detailed description of what problem that they had in those days that when you went to the market to buy food, it's like you went at the stop and shop, and you're not sure if you're buying a piece of meat, if that meat came from some place where they had a ritual, an idolatrous ritual, which is very common in this. If you study the time period of the Romans and the Greeks and all their uh, mythologies and their pagan gods, you see that this, this just wrapped up their whole world. So you're going out there preaching to these people and, and uh, Gentiles are getting converted and yet still the society around them is the same and they're having these pagan practices. What do you do? How do you deal with this? So Paul has some very practical instructions he gave them. And there are those, as you know, that were Judaizers that were going around after Paul that were trying to take the Gentiles and put them under the Lord and under such a burden that it would be impossible to have the freedom of the Holy Spirit. And he had to contend with them. And his apostleship and the legitimacy of his ministry came up over and over again. Uh, even though he was the one that planted the churches and started most of the churches, they would come in afterwards and he would have to defend himself. And really that's what he's doing here uh, in chapter 9. He says in verse 1, uh, of 1 Corinthians, am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? So he gives that as a the fact that he saw the Lord Jesus as something that um, solidifies his position as an apostle. Are you not my work in the Lord? And there's another sign. The sign itself, the fact that this church is there, that he's gone out, that he was sent out, that he preached, that they received, that they got saved in the middle of that Gentile culture is a sign itself of his apostleship. Are you not my work in the Lord? And then he goes on to say, if I am not an apostle to others, yet doubtless I am to you, 
for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. You're proof of it. The fact that you believed and are saved are proof that I was sent by the Lord, he's saying to them. My defense to those who examine me is this. Do we have no right to eat and drink? Do we have no right to take along a believing wife, as do also the other apostles, the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working? Now he's talking about the contention between what he's teaching and others who claim to be something teach. And when he speaks about this apostleship, he says, or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working? And Barnabas is included in this apostolic ministry. And he goes on to say, whoever goes to war at his own expense, who's a soldier at his own expense, who plants a vineyard and does not eat of the fruits, or who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk of the flock? He says, do I say these things as a mere man, or does not the law say the same also? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. Is it oxen God is concerned about? Or does he say it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he who plows should plow in hope, and he who threshes in hope should be partakers of his hope. If we have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? If others are partakers of this right over you, are we not even more? Nevertheless, we have not used this right, but endure all things lest we hinder the gospel of Christ, lest we hinder the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who minister the holy things eat of the things of the temple, and those who serve at the altar partake of the offerings of the altar? Even so, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. But I have used none of these things, nor have I written these things, that it should be done so to me. For it would be better for me to die than that anyone should make my boasting void. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. For necessity is laid upon me, Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have been entrusted with the stewardship. What is my reward then? That when I preach the gospel, I may present the gospel of Christ without charge, that I may not abuse my authority in the gospel. So he's speaking about the apostolic authority they have. And he's making it very clear that he and Barnabas are not using that which they deserve to have because it can hinder the gospel. And he says, my reward is that when I preach the gospel, I present the gospel of Christ without charge. He doesn't want anyone to be able to say to him, you're doing this thing for your benefit, for money. But at the same time, he's telling the privileges of the apostles. Just like Jesus said um, in Matthew chapter 10, remember this, when he sent the um, apostles, the 12 out, two by two. In Matthew 10, 10, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staff, for a worker is worthy of his food. So Paul's saying just what Jesus said, and he says here, even so the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. And 
there is this, and we've mentioned this before, this lack of respect for Paul because they don't take from the people, because they haven't set themselves up as something special like these super apostles who take and receive benefits from the people when they preach, because Paul and Barnabas have not done this, it's as though they're looked down upon and frowned upon. And he's telling, this is the grace of God. I'm doing this because I love you. We didn't want to be hard on you, but we have this right. He says, don't we have the right uh, to take along a believing wife, as do the other apostles? Don't we, who, Barnabas and I, have the right to take along a believing wife, as do also the other apostles? So clearly, Barnabas is among the apostles. We'll have to break at this point and continue the sermon in our next broadcast. But we hope you have enjoyed your time listening to Shear Jeshub and that this program is valuable to your walk with the Lord. If you enjoy these Bible teachings by Pastor Greg, we would like to invite you to worship the Lord with us at our Sunday service. Shear Jeshub Christian Tabernacle meets in the upper room of the Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut at 10 a.m. every Sunday morning. The hall is adjacent to the town green and opposite the James Madison Memorial. You can also write to us at our P.O. Box in Branford. That's Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle, P.O. Box 518, Branford, Connecticut 06405. We hope you join us next time as Pastor Greg teaches from God's holy word. And may our Lord Jesus bless you as you serve him.